Welcome everyone to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Neefer, your host. And today we're going to have a conversation with Pauline Van, Van Nurden from Minnesota. So how is the weather up in Minnesota? It is quite lovely right now. We've uh, gotten through some hot spells and gotten some rain, so things are good. What What's, you know, I, I, I used to hear a saying something about the weather in Minnesota, so it's like, I think the saying was like six months of winter, two months of, of flood and thawing, about one month of summer, and then it's back to winter or something like that. But it's really not that bad. It's really not that bad. No, it's, um, yeah, lots of variety, which is good. So, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're now in, uh, uh, we're in Colorado and, and I told my wife, you know, we don't get that much rain and the snow will melt and, so we show up in the end of October and it started snowing. We had snow on the ground for about four months. And then we got like 35 inches of rain in May and June. And my wife is like, I'm not sure if I believe you anymore. So, uh, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. But as, as I always like to do on these podcasts, we always like to start off with your background. So where did you grow up, education and everything you sort of did before you ended up doing what you're doing now? Sure. Um, well, I grew up on a dairy farm and a crop farm, I guess, in Goodhue, Minnesota. Goodhue is a farming community that's in southeastern Minnesota near Red Wing. So grew up in bluff country down there. And I continued my education after high school, receiving a bachelor's from the University of Minnesota in applied economics. And then I stayed on and pursued a master's in egg education. Um, after I got done with my master's, I then um, taught high school agriculture for a couple of years, decided maybe that wasn't my cup of tea, and moved on to teaching farm business management in the community college system in Minnesota. So there I worked directly with farmers on their record keeping and farm financial management, goal setting, all of that. Um, and then um, I did actually leave that role and was a lender in an egg lender specifically in South Central Minnesota in a community bank. Um, okay. Then my, then I, my, um, our family moved. And so then I joined um, University of Minnesota and Extension and, and now I've been with uh, CFFM or the Center for Farm Financial Management for just over six years. Okay. And so what is the Center for Farm Financial Management and then what is your role in, in that center? Um, sure. Uh, the Center for Farm Financial Management, I think it's best explained by just giving you our mission. Um, our mission is to improve the farm financial management and marketing abilities of agricultural producers and the professionals who serve them through educational software and training programs. So we do lots of work in the um, agricultural risk management area from um, working directly on farm finances. We host a crop insurance conference. We work a lot with extension risk management. Ed Usset's on our team and does a lot of marketing work. So we have really a, a pretty wide spectrum of things that we do. Okay. And and really, I think a lot of the listeners, well, no, maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe a lot of the listeners don't know uh, what, you know, you have a uh, it's called FinBin, which actually tell us what FinBin stands for. Sure. Um, I, I'll take it one step 
prior to FinBin actually. So um, the process starts with our farm financial analysis software, which is FinPAC. So we have producers and educators and lenders across the country that use FinPAC for their farm financial analysis. Um, then, um, so we specifically in FinBin work with farm management education programs. We work with uh, about a dozen to 14 different states in gathering data. So those farm management programs work specifically with the producer. And then um, that individual farm record uh, with whole farm finances and also the crop and livestock enterprises of the operation is aggregated and uh, contributed to FinBin, which is a um, it's a database of farm financial and um, production data that is queryable. It's free to the public and, and you can go to finbin.umn.edu and uh, check it out for yourself and learn more about it. But it's it's allows um, it allows users to um, take a look at, like I said, whole farm data and look at um, summary information, different crop and livestock uh, types of enterprises, um, and then you can actually uh, complete benchmark reports off of that as well, where you can see um, not only the average data that's provided in the summary reports, but then see the spectrum of the numbers. So you can, a producer, for instance, can better benchmark their, themselves and their performance versus their peers. So when we're talking benchmarking, in order for benchmarking to be relevant, you know, the there has to be certain standards applied to the data because you don't want to be comparing apples to oranges to plums to grapefruits as far as you know one farmers on the accrual method one's on the cash method and so on so what 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 is the process as much as you can to get that information sort of standardized so what what are you trying to do like with the finpack and maybe these other states to make sure that you're really comparing apples to apples Right, great point. Um, so we, with FinPAC specifically, um, that is all accrual adjusted farm financial information. So there is a standard approach to analyzing the data, pulling together the farm financial reports, and also the ratios and measures that are created from that. We adhere to farm financial standard guidelines throughout that process. But um, you know, beyond that, you're right. Um, still, people can look at numbers differently and and um, use different procedures. So we do have a standard chart of accounts that we use with everybody, um, and we also have a standard procedure. So a lot of my role, actually, as we go into the fall, is to work with the different farm management education programs, um, providing them updated information on what our standard approach will be and what our recommendations are for analyzing the data. So we do have have that standardized approach. And then, um, you know, once the the um, educators and um, professionals work with the farms gathering the data, we actually then scrutinize it after the fact as well. So we look at the aggregated database prior to putting it into FinBin, and we look for outliers and try to find errors that, um, you know, just happen, um, uh, and then go back to those 
uh, individual instructors, professionals, and um, ask them to uh, review the information, making sure that, you know, a, a $400 corn seed cost, it, you know, that's probably not accurate. So let's get that <laughs> fixed <laughs> and um, and go through that um, data review process prior to pulling everything into FinBin. So we are really conscious of using a standardized approach and also making sure that we have quality data going into the database. Is the typical grower, let's say they're sort of on the cash method of accounting, but through this process, you're helping that grower, hey, what is your inventories both at the beginning of the year and end of the year? I assume those inventories are, they're maintained on sort of fair market value. Is that correct? They're not really doing some type of costing fair market or costing inventory or, or what are you doing there for inventories? Right, exactly. We are using a fair market value for those inventories at year end, um, uh, whether it's crops, livestock, whatever would be on the balance sheet. But yes, we're using, um, there are some standardized uh, values that are used for different areas. So it is more area specific, of course. We don't give a, a single value for all the programs we work with. We do leave that up to them but unpriced commodities are put on the balance sheet at their current market value. And then same would be for receivables if they've sold a crop at year end but haven't collected it yet, that then is brought into, into the current year as income, is that right? Correct. So they're they're going to show that um, either grain on inventory at the contracted price or that account receivable, um, and then correct. That's that's brought into the analysis using that accrual adjustment. And of course, a lot of farmers like to prepay for expenses at year end, and typically for tax purposes, we're able to deduct all those expenses even though they haven't been applied. Matter of fact farmer hasn't even gotten them yet they're still sitting at the dealership but for purposes of this i'm assuming that then shows up an asset not as an expense is that what you do with uh, prepaids right so i mean there would be uh, just like their cash records would indicate there would be that cash expense that was outlaid for that prepay but then you're right it's there's also that asset listed on the balance sheet showing whatever that prepaid supply is that they purchased. So, yeah. so again, getting that accrual adjustment to work out. And, and how does this really help the farmer? What, what, how does this really provide some additional guidance and management for the farmer to use? Uh, yes, good question. So, you know, that individual farmer in the program's obviously getting some really great detailed financial information. So, of course, they're finding value in that and the professional that they work with the unbiased set of eyes that that's helping them through the process. So uh, those farmers that are in the farm management programs, um, you know, get get that specific one on one help and um, information. Those that are looking to FinBin and, and even um, those producers that are contributing data in terms of FinBin, you know, anybody can go and look at summary reports, like I said. So looking at whole farm financials, looking at crop and livestock enterprise um, specific reports to see what the average is. And um, beyond just looking at the average of the whole database, 
people can query uh, based on location. So you can get down to a county level if there's enough data involved or available for a specific area. So that would be one methodology. We have information on tillage systems and fertilizer practices. I mean, there's there's lots of different ways to query the database. So somebody can really get information that pertains to them and their operation and that can provide some useful feedback to them. So there's that, uh, the summary report level, but then also FinBin provides benchmark reports, which you can query in the same manner. You can look at size of operation, type of operation, production practices, all of that. But that benchmark report takes the average and then it breaks it into 10% increments so that a producer can better compare their performance to that of their peers to see where they are doing better and maybe where they have um, some places to improve on in terms of you know, anything from yields and um, other production to the expenses, the revenue they're receiving, all of that. And so that's a really powerful tool and something that a lot of uh, people uh, look to within FinBin. The last thing that FinBin allows is um, it allows those producers that maybe don't have a great method at this point to get or to calculate, I should say, their farm financial ratios. They can actually use FinBin to help themselves um, calculate their ratios so that they maybe have a better idea of where they're standing um, financially. And then they can benchmark themselves versus um, the FinBin database in that process. So uh, hopefully it provides a lot of different avenues for producers to learn more about their operation, learn about their strengths and weaknesses. And if they're diving into a new endeavor, um, you know, get just some useful feedback or useful information in their planning processes. And part of the uh, information that's shown too also includes sort of their living expenses. Is, is that correct? Right. So yes, um, it's it includes farm financial information, of course, but then for sole proprietors and those um, types of operations that are um, uh, taking a family living draw or have family living expenses that are part of their their whole operation, we do have um, data related to that. So you can actually query in FinBin um, a detailed. Uh, personal living report, taking um, a look at the the expenses and probably non-farm income that producers have. Um, it, I will say it's a subset of producers that get to that level of specificity and and provide um, the specific information related to you know everything from food and meals to healthcare costs and everything so it's probably about 25% of the database or so um, that provides that sort of level of information what what is the history of of the cuz it's been around more than 10 years i'm just sort of curious what is the history how it evolved and so on yeah, so FinPAC specifically, the the education uh, or the the software that we're we're doing the analysis with, that dates back to the 1970s. So the center was created in the early 80s after FinPAC was starting to be utilized, and um, you know it it was certainly a program that was used in the 1980s and the farm crisis to help. 
um, you know, there we're, there's a lot of use in Minnesota specifically, but across the country, FinPAC was used in, in a lot of that financial crisis work. So that's, that's FinPAC. Um, then um, in 1996 is when FinBIN goes back to. So that is when we started working more directly with farm management programs and starting to aggregate the data and produce that website. So uh, that, that database website. So within, um, within FinBIN, you can go back, you know, over 20 years, 25 plus years at this point, and take a look at um, farm financial data. So a part of that process too that um, we do in FinBIN, which is can be really powerful, is what we call panel reports. And that is tracking the same set of farms over time. So an individual producer might not um, do a lot of that work, but it is um, an interesting exercise just to see how um, producers managed through, um, for instance, this last um, seven year period downturn and, and those that, you know, what their position started at and financial position started at and how they made it through to the other side and such. So there's, um, you know, lots of historical perspective that can provide some pretty powerful data within the database. About, about how many farm operations are, are in the database? Yeah, so we work with about 3,500 farms or aggregate about 3,500 farms from across the country um, annually. So we work with, um, you know, anywhere from 12 to 14 programs. We're, we're always trying to expand that. So, um, you know, we're, we're working with some new emerging farm management programs in this process always. So that's, that's why it ebbs and flows a little bit. But um, yeah, about 3,500 farms a year. Now, those programs you work with, are they all sort of state-based, like let's say Kansas State University type data, or is it private, or what's what's the mix of programs that you're working with? Um, primarily, it is, it is um, educational uh, organizations, I'll say. So, um, for instance, we don't work with Kansas State specifically. They have their, their own database and, and um, work you know, with with their producers individually. So we are working with community colleges. So in Minnesota, that's a large part of who we work with is the Minnesota State Community College System, and they have a farm management education program. We also work with um, some different educate or excuse me extension organizations so um, another group in minnesota would be the southwest farm management association that is through university of minnesota extension so okay. primarily yeah uh, state-based not all land grant based but um, educational programs okay okay well pauline we're going to go ahead and take a break for a sponsor message and we'll come back and talk a little bit about uh, the Farm Financial Standard Council and how some of those some of those recommendations are actually in your system and so on. So we'll take a quick break. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diming farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgra Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, 
local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance. RoboAgar Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together. RoboAgar Finance. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. We're going to rejoin our conversation with Pauline Van Nurden from University of Minnesota. So, uh, Pauline, you've been involved with the Farm Financial Standard Council for many years, as, as myself have. But some of those standards, some of those ratios, some of those recommendations are part of the process of FinPAC and FinBIN. Is that correct? That is most certainly correct, yes. So um, CFFM has, someone from CFFM has always been involved in the council, um, dating back to the initial meetings, Dale Nordquist was in the room and and a part of those initial discussions. So um, I myself serve on the technical committee um, and and have um, done so since Dale Nordquist has retired, but within FinPAC and then bringing that information into FinBIN, we do adhere to the farm financial standards in terms of how the financial statements are produced from the software and then also the ratios and measures that we are calculating. So like we've already talked about, everything's accrual adjusted and would meet the standards that the um, Farm Financial Standards Council offers. I'm sort of curious, you had mentioned, you know, we sort of had that seven, six, seven year downturn, you know, after uh, essentially after 13, and then, you know, the last couple of years, because of all the money that's been pumped into the system and the Ukraine crisis and so on, we've had, you know, pretty good years, almost record years. Is that reflected in your data or what's some of the trends that you've noticed over the last few years? Yes, most certainly. You know, 2013, like you say, going out of 2013 through about 2019, going into 2019, were pretty challenging years across uh, the the board for producers. Um, The last three years have been more profitable. And if we look at 2022 specifically, that was the second most profitable year on record in our database. That's only eclipsed by 2012. So uh, the interesting thing I think last year was the fact that all types of commodities had a relatively good year, whether it was a crop or a livestock producer. And you know, the other thing we have seen here is producers are positioning themselves for, you know, the uncertainty that's ahead. There certainly some producers are already struggling in 2023. If we think of our dairy producers and hog producers, probably um, there's some drought areas, of course, but producers have really worked the last few years, what we've seen in the data to build working capital and overall um, improve their financial positions so they're better prepared for um, for the next downturn that they may experience. Yeah, you bring up a good point. You know, typically, it is unique to have a year where both livestock and crop producers are all doing very, very well. You know, because if the crop producer is really doing well, that means they have much higher prices, which that's the feed that then the livestock producer has to use. But again, last year was sort of unique where even though feed cost was higher, certainly their price for their product was higher, too. So that that helped out this year, both for crop and some of the livestock producers. You mentioned dairy and 
and hog producers, you know, that 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 extra price premium they got last year is now more of a price discount, and that's definitely hurting them. Uh, right. So I, yes, um, it's certainly a tough year, uh, especially for dairy right now. But but you're right in what you said. It it is unique that everybody last year had a pretty good year given high feed prices and and high commodity prices for everybody. So. Yeah, any other unique trends that you're seeing? Maybe just, uh, you know, is there something that jumps out at you saying, hey, this is sort of unique uh, either last year or year before? Um, you know, like you mentioned, Paul, 2019, 2020, even into 2021, we saw a lot of government money um, in agriculture, whether it was MFP, PPP, you know, all those different um programs that were offered through COVID and, and through some trade disruption and such. I think what we saw in 2022 was the fact that there wasn't a lot of government payments that were helping to um, uh, pump up, if you will, farm revenues. It was a really good profitable year for producers in general. So that's always good to see too, that, that um, profitability isn't reliant on government payments. Um, so that's that was certainly a change last year from what we had seen previous to that. Um, I think we continued to see new types of operations in agriculture as well. So we are working on analyzing um, and providing data on market channel analysis, which may be new to a lot of commodity producers, but that's working more closely with fruit and vegetable producers, looking at how they market their commodities, whether it's at the farmer's market, a roadside stand, uh, CSA. So trying to help um, those um, producers that may not be emerging, they may be well established, but provide them some data as well. And we're always trying to look at um, other facets of ag too. So we have um, some work we're doing on cover crop economics and such. So agriculture is always evolving and, and we're trying to help provide the information for producers in, um, in their decision making. You know, one area I think I see a little bit of concern is, is the stickiness of, of those living costs. You know, again, only maybe 25% of your producers provide that information, but I, I've certainly have seen an upward trend in the cost of the, you know, just providing for the home and so on. Does the data show that in your database too? Um, yes, so I'll I'll clarify one thing you said. We get detailed information from about 25%, but everybody, we at least get the family living expense that they may have had. So, okay. Um, okay. so there, there's that. But yeah, I just like the, you know, the general, um, you know, my household and, and everyone's household, I think inflation has certainly taken a toll on what it costs to put food on the table. So we've seen that in our data as well. Family living was up last year, oh, probably about 10% or so. Um, that's a, that's a pretty round number there, but um, it, inflation impacts and also, you know, usually when you have a little bit better year, you might um, you you might splurge a little bit more. So, <laughs> so of course there's that. Um, you know, I think uh, hopefully people can can tighten their belts um, if they are experiencing a downturn and 
and um, keep family living in check, keep that monitored. Also, you know, just the general input cost is probably, like you say, going to remain sticky too as we look at some changing farm revenue as that starts to decline. So there probably is some some challenges on the horizon and, and hopefully that working capital nest egg is there to help people get through it. Well, you are in Minnesota, so I'm guessing farmers made about a few lake houses last year. So that, uh, although they might have done that back in 2012, so that not, maybe they're OK. Yeah, yeah, there's always always non-farm investment that we see. We we never know exactly what it is, but we can certainly see some investment took place last year. So that's okay. that's to be expected. Well, thanks for uh, going through the information on that. I always like to end with about four key questions, so we'll, we'll dive into those. Uh, uh, who is your mentor? Yeah, um, well, I've had several mentors over my career. You know, of course, I looked up to and learned a lot from my parents, so I have to certainly give them um, a shout out for for my upbringing. But professionally, I, you know, there's a few key people in Minnesota farm business management that I learned a lot from and, and really respected and, and still respect to this day. And those folks would be Ira Beckman and Bob Ressler and Al Broodley. I don't know if you know any of them, Paul, but really, um, really influential people in Minnesota farm business management. Um, you know, I worked with a really great uh, lending partner at the bank I worked at. So Doug Allerdings really helped me immensely in my lending career. And last but not least, um, you know, I've had the privilege to work with Dale Nordquist at the Center for Farm Financial Management for the last six years. You know, I I was looked up to Dale when I taught farm management and learned a lot from him over over my career, but now it's it's really been fun and a privilege to work with him directly as a coworker at um, at the Center for Farm Financial Management. Okay, and uh, do you have any time for any hobbies? Well, um, yeah, you know, time time is always precious, right? Um, but at this point in my life, you know, I'm a pretty busy mom outside of work. So I enjoy watching my kids' activities, whether it's um, watching basketball games or they enjoy showing livestock quite a bit. So um, can can be found in the gym or in the, um, uh, you know, on the sidelines and a livestock show quite often. Um, when I do have some time at home, I enjoy gardening and spending time outdoors, being on the lake, those sorts of things, and, and just enjoying time with family. Okay. And then uh, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Um, well, I'm usually tired at night, I will say, but <laughs> things, things that remain on my mind, um, you know, I, I think we all question, um, you know, what's going to happen in the economy going forward, the general economy, what agriculture and beyond. So what's going to happen with interest rates? Um, you know, what's going to happen with the farm bill? Those are things that, you know, are kind of always in the back of my mind. Um, also, just the public perspe perspective of agriculture and, and how will ag and the public continue to work together and, and how will, um, you know, just what what's what's to come there. We've seen a lot of changes. Uh, we see some legislation, all of that. So just trying to to keep that positive public perception of agriculture as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then uh, finally, uh, what's your definition of success in farming or in business, or what what you see the the typical definition of success is? 
Yeah, I think uh, when I work direct more directly with farms, I don't work one on one with a lot of farms today, but um, you know, my goal was always to help the producer meet their goals. So help that farm family meet their goals. Everyone has a different set of goals and sees success differently. So um, hopefully at CFFM, our goal is to always provide uh, producers and professionals that work with them the tools and knowledge to help them to help that farm family get where they want to be. So to me, that's that's what success means. Yep, sounds good to me. And then is there anything you'd like to add before we sign off? I don't think so. I think we covered a broad spectrum here today. So thank you for the opportunity. No, and I, and again, you know, the University of Minnesota FinBin, the FinPAC and so on, that's a very valuable service. Uh, I've certainly gone to that uh, website many times to uh, get some benchmarking or look at some data. Again, for the listeners out there, uh, wh where is the site on, on the internet for them? Uh, sure. Uh, so FinBin, you can go to finbin.umn.edu. So FinBin is pretty simple, F-I-N-B-I-N. Um, and then just cffm.umn.edu has links to the other tools and resources that we provide as well. Okay. Okay. Well, again, uh, Pauline, thanks for taking some time out of your day to have this conversation. And again, this is the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. This is Paul Nee for your host, signing off.